Now here's a highlight from Coast to Coast AM on iHeartRadio. Welcome back to Coast to Coast AM. Richard Serrett sitting in for George Nori and Mark Fiorentino stays with us, the author of Master of Reality. So the the experiment, again, that is in the final chapter of that book, and you're encouraging physicists all around the world uh, to, uh, to perform this experiment. I mean, what's involved? I mean, is this a costly experiment? Uh, is there a lot of equipment required? There is. You need a powerful magnet, so, you know, high magnetics labs would be the place to do it. The more powerful the magnet, the more likely you will see, you know, the expected effect. Uh, and then what would be good is to turn it on at different intensities and then chart, plot out. I, I expect there to be an exponential gain in the blockage of the uh, gravitational field. As, so as you get stronger gravi- uh, electromagnetic uh, or a magnetic field strength, uh, it'll suddenly rapidly rise the the blocking capability of the gravitational field. But, you know, you have to do it at different intensities and see how much lighter the object is uh, at each different intensity, and you'll, you'll get a curve, basically. And as you get to a certain really strong, maybe, I don't know, two, 300 Teslas or whatever, uh, you'll eventually block all of the gravitational field, and, and the item will just float there. And um, uh, my big concern is that, you know, the government will try to cover it up again, and I'm, I'm hoping that doesn't happen. But if people are doing it all over the world and they all submit these documentations, and here's a little bone to throw everybody out there. The first one that does it, I guarantee you're going to win a Nobel Prize because that's big news. That's really important. Anti-gravity is the biggest discovery that's going to ever be on this planet. So that's... There's something to work for, a motivational factor to go for it. Well, how, how practical is this? Because it's one thing to, uh, to you know, for a pencil to be uh, to lift off the, uh, the table using this magnet, a super magnet. But, I mean, if, if you wanted to uh, use this as a propulsion device or, or you know, to, to, uh, to lift, uh, let's say, a, a Boeing 747 off the ground, how much power would you require? A lot. And that's that's one of the big one of the major problems to solve, because the the amount of energy that's going through I'm going to estimate it's hundreds of megawatts, maybe more, and so now we have to have a power source to drive those coils. If you want to surround a cigar-shaped thing the size of a 747 with concentric coils, so that you make the basically make the the whole thing into a giant magnet, so you have a magnetic field going around it. Uh, that's going to it's going to take a lot of energy, and it's got to be uh, packaged the, the power source into a fairly small size, maybe the size of a basketball or something like that. And uh, I, I know of a way that I believe can be done, but I don't talk about it because I don't want to interfere with the people who are actually working on this device. And there is people with patents and such, but you know, they're under the radar, and I would like them to stay there at this point. And um, so I, I think that that's a big hurdle that has to be done, but that's the way it's done. And apparently it, 
it can be done because aliens are using it and they're getting here. And um, so there must be a way to do it. Uh, all right. So let's let's talk about the light speed barrier. Does the the unified field theory uh, by solving that by cracking that does that allow for superluminal motion? Yeah, because my unified field theory is an extension of both special and general relativity. So there's going to have to be more equations to bolt into those so that you can um, uh, accept as a reality the the ability to build in a spacecraft that can go beyond the speed of light. So wh what you do is you're, you're building a spatial bias drive that uh, stretches space apart even more. Because you have to look at it as like a guitar string. When you pull it tighter and tighter, the frequency goes up. And, and it's the same thing with the, the ether. The, we know it must be very tense because the speed of light is very fast. So if we stretch it even more and make it more tense, then the capability of moving faster becomes uh, possible. And uh, Maxwell's equation uh, defines the speed of light as C equals 1 over the square root of permittivity times permeability. So what we need to do is to lower permeability and, and uh, permittivity. And that can be done using a magnetic field. So the stronger you make it, the more space is stretched, the lower those two numbers become, the faster you can go. So as long as you're inside of the slip wave, uh, completely surrounded, um, you could go any speed you want. And if, uh, if you reduce those two with, to zero, so the, those two properties, those are basic properties of space, permeability and permittivity. If you reduce them to zero, which I do not recommend, you can go infinitely fast. And, and they have built materials that exhibit that um, capability. They're, they're making patents right now. They're called metamaterials. Look it up on the Internet. Fractal lenses made out of metamaterials. The light inside of those materials is being, uh, they're saying it goes infinitely fast, only while inside the material. As soon as it comes out, well, then it's, it goes back down. So the speed of light is being determined by the properties of space. And if you manipulate those, you can change the speed of light. So um, I think there's good evidence to support that theory. But again, the energy required would be enormous, would it not? Uh, yeah, like we said, for the, uh, the slipwave bias drive, yes, it requires an enormous, but it's an amount that we could generate if we have the right power-generating system. Uh, I think some of the experiments that the, the U.S. did uh, in the early days of building UFOs, they were probably using small nuclear reactors inside so that these early UFOs that they were building were spewing you know, radiation out of them. It's not practical. It's not safe. But you need that kind of a, a power source, like a, from a whole power plant, to, to guide one of these. And it seems like it's like impossible, but obviously it's not if you know how to build the... the the right technology, and uh, you know, I'm, I limit myself. I hold myself back about talking about that right now. 
but I, I do think there's a way to do it. So you mentioned the uh, perm- permeability, and yeah. uh, there was one other one. Permittivity. Permittivity and permeability. You said not a good idea to bring those down to zero. What happens if you bring them down to zero? If you're in a, a spacecraft, there's a lot of dangers about going at the speed of light or beyond it. If you go that fast, uh, even a second at moving at that rate, you'll be out of the universe. You'll be in some place in between universes. You'll certainly be out of the galaxy. Uh, it's infinitely fast. Well, it's it's really fast. It's hard to calculate that. Uh, so odds are you can't ever really get down to zero because you you know. Uh, I just suspect that it would be very difficult. I'm hoping uh, uh, that that's impossible, but it might not be. And one would have to do experiments by building the ships and and, then building in some sort of a monitoring system that can make that measurement on the fly so you know that you're not going to do that because you'll be lost. Uh, At the very least, you'll be in a place where you won't know where you're at after a few seconds at traveling at that speed because when you go beyond the speed of light and you're looking out your front window, everything goes black because of the uh, the uh, Doppler effect. So all the stars you're looking at ahead of you, uh, you can't see anymore because uh, they're blue shifted to the point where they, they're not visible. And all the stars behind you are red-shifted to the point they're not visible. So at best, you might be able to see something out of the side window that looks like a little bit of a rainbow. Uh, and that's because they're, you know, you're moving parallel to the light sources in that area. But going a 1,000 times the speed of light, that's, that's probably not even going to be available to you. It's, you know, it's scary looking. It's pitch black, and you have no radar that can scan ahead of you and make sure you don't hit something. So, you know, how that how to solve that problem, I'm not really sure. Uh, you just got to be sure. Ah, uh, details, details. Yeah. <laughs> you just got to be sure what, what happens to at a star wh- when you do that. <laughs> what happens to mass as you approach the speed of light? Yeah, good question. That's, that's something you, we got to cover here because... Under normal circumstances, mass increases as you approach the speed of light. That's the special relativity uh, section we're talking about now, the Lorentz transformations. Uh, If you're using a rocket ship, it would take like the hugest, biggest rocket ship you could ever make and all the energy in the universe to get your rocket up to the speed of light because it would be an inertial drag because of your increase of mass as you go faster and faster toward the speed of light. Well, that's a problem. But if you use my uh, slipway bias drive, you cancel all the Lorentz transformation problems because you're stretching space apart. And so it's like you're moving through almost nothing. So there is not an inertial increase in mass while you're inside of the slip wave, and there's no time dilation. Time becomes absolute again, like Newton liked it. Uh, So if you wanted to go to Proxima Centauri, 4.2 light years away, and you go 50,000 times the speed of light, it might take you a few minutes to get there, whatever. It's in real time. So if, if somebody on Earth is watching and you go off, 
and you go and you look around and you come back in 20 minutes, it's 20 minutes for you, it's 20 minutes for, for them. There's no time distortion on the spaceship because the Lorenz transformations are canceled out because you're being protected within the, the slipway bubble. So it's a great system, and it allows you to break the speed of light without having to experience all the problems you would have if you weren't inside of the, the bubble and you were trying to use a conventional method like rockets or something to get you up to the speed of light. You could never do it. So it's... it's so let's perfect. let's suppose that the, the U.S. military-industrial complex was on board with this, and uh, they said, you know, Mark, we're going to give you a lab. We're going to give you all the resources that you need. How much? How how long do you think it would take before we had essentially uh, UFOs? Uh, well, the, the equivalent propulsion systems to a UFO with with subluminal uh, speed. Subluminal or superluminal? You mean? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Superluminal. My apologies. Superluminal. Uh, well, it depends on if we have the power technology ready to go. And it also depends, and I, and I talk about this in the book, this is why I want the physics, physicists to stop wasting time looking for more particles. Uh, that's little value add at this point. What, what we need to do is develop two things, the power source, and we need to develop um, room temperature superconducting wire. If we have these things now, and we may already have this, the room temperature superconducting wire, but it's probably been classified. It's top secret. So, you know, I don't know. Somehow, you know, there's rumors that Area 51 has flying saucers flying around, and they're going and doing missions now already. So we already have all that stuff. So I don't know why they would hire me other than <laughs> because they probably know most of this stuff, if not all of it. I don't well, know. yeah, assuming that they don't have it, though. I guess I, I'm trying to get a handle okay. on, are we 10 years out? Are we are we 20 years out? I would say without those things, and we had to develop it, 20 years out. Uh, if we have those things, uh, I could build a ship in two years. Wait, this is interesting, because when we think of extraterrestrial civilizations, for example, we often think that they are tens of thousands of years more advanced. Yeah. Uh, but based on what I'm hearing from you, it, they could just be a couple years ahead of us. It is possible that a civil, advanced civilization, civilization may only be a hundred or, or a thousand or something like that. But odds are, uh, we're really a young civilization. Uh, we're just barely out of throwing rocks at each other and spears. Uh, odds are they're millions of years more more advanced. So not only do they have all this technology and then some, they've got, you know, Stargate technology. They have, uh, undoubtedly, they have uh, mental powers that are well beyond psychic, uh, sixth sense powers, all of that uh, uh psychokinesis and telepathy and all that stuff well in advance that they probably use along with their advanced technologies. Um, it's 
How how about time travel then? If if we can achieve superluminal speed, we could travel into the future. But what about time travel to the past? Didn't Einstein rule that out? And you know, I thought that was not possible either. But it, you have to look at the bigger picture. Uh, this is the book is the master of reality. So reality includes not just our physical reality, but reality of other universes and other dimensions and uh, since that is most likely from all the NDE experiences I've read that's what exists there are infinite amount of uh, universes and an infinite amount of dimensions therefore time is also uh, out of bounds when you go to like the afterlife there is no time so that means here uh, it's possible that there are time segments all running in parallel. So we're living in a time segment, but the past time segments may be accessible uh, if you can build something that can move beyond the speed of light and somehow uh, create a portal between this time and other time segments. It's highly theoretical. It's the most speculative part of my book. And I was pretty uncomfortable writing it, but I made an attempt to do it anyway because I thought it, I was told it was important to do it. So I did my best to try to design uh, a Stargate system based on knowing that fractal lenses exist and metamaterials exist so I could get light to move faster than the speed of light. And within that material, which would then cause an electromagnetic shock wave when it comes out of that material, and that might be enough to affect space so that we could pass into these other realms. Listen to more Coast to Coast AM every weeknight at 1 a.m. Eastern, and go to coasttocoastam.com for more.